0: This is an AMI podcast.
1: Hey guys, welcome along to a brand new episode of Double Tap. It is Thursday. It's the twentieth of April, twenty twenty-three. And coming up today, we're talking to Addie Kushner from Access Mind, the company behind the Optima Braille laptop.
0: You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, Another big show today. Oh, it's a biggie. It's a goodie.
2: It's great. I love this interview we have coming up. And by the way, are you excited?
1: It's your favorite laptop at the minute, and you haven't even got one. I know. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I'm so excited about a machine I don't even have. It hasn't even been released yet, and I'm like, (laughs) I want to buy one for each hand. Okay, calm down. Yeah, it's too the much. Optima Braille Laptop, which is the uh, really being created by a, a project between two companies, AccessMind and Orbit Research. Orbit Research will be selling, and AccessMind is is the company behind the concept, and then kind of Orbit Research and AccessMind working together really have managed to create this amazing product. And we got the chance to speak to Addy Kushner, who actually got in touch with the show uh, to tell us about his work. And we had, of course, heard about Addy and his work. Not just with AccessMind, but previously with Elbrail, because he was the guy uh, who was behind the, uh, I guess, the invention of the Elbrail, right? Just a really interesting guy. So today we are going to hear from Addy telling us all about his history with uh, Vespero, of course, on the development of the Elbrail, and also his new company, AccessMind.
3: My involvement in the assistive tech field started even before the Elbrail, but it was not so global. I... I live in Israel, I'm 25 years old now, and I started to work professionally in the assistive technology sector, although in the local market when I was 11. Um, out of my own needs, I'm I'm blind since birth, I'm completely blind, no light perception, nothing. Um, so I come to this field as a user. My first projects in this field were... Uh, basically localization projects of uh, popular screen readers. It was a funny story uh, back then. Uh, Israel had very bad screen reader support because the the languages that are spoken here are Hebrew and Arabic, which are right to left uh, languages. And back at the time, screen readers were using a lot of like uh, screen scraping techniques, a lot of uh, screen hooking techniques. I'm talking like 12, 13 years ago where accessibility in uh, Windows and, you know, was not... To the level it is today, no APIs and stuff. so I wanted uh, to bring something more than to the Israeli market because the screen readers we had properly working were uh, just a product from a German company, Baum, which they went bankrupt unfortunately. It was a screen to called Virgo, then renamed to Cobra. and the big vendors like Freedom Scientific were not fully present. So they started to slowly come to the Israeli market. And I said, OK, I want to be involved in that to make it work normally, because the first Hebrew JAWS versions were not uh, not uh, not amazing, to say the least. And I said, OK, I want to work on this. Of course, I got rejected uh, by the dealers uh, who did the JAWS localization. And by freedom themselves, I was, you know, a very young kid who wants an 11-year-old kid working on... <laughs> on such serious kind of stuff. So I said, you know what? NVDA started to mature. And I said, okay, I'm going to show them now that I'm capable. And I produced a Hebrew NVDA version. And as soon as I did that, uh, the Israeli distributors of uh, Freedom allowed me to work on JAWS. And this was my first start in this field. And I continued since then. So I went local. I was doing JAWS localization for a lot of years. I'm actually still doing it today. But uh, my mission was always to develop things and to be involved in uh, both hardware and software development. And over the years, I contributed some feature ideas to JAWS, like uh, things like uh, Braille profiles and other stuff that Freedom Scientific uh, embraced, and I was working with them uh, hand-in-hand to do. But I always wanted to to do hardware, and um, this is why in 2016... I joined Alita Group to work on the Elbrero project, which for me, it was an essential part of work uh, for me as a user, because as soon as I saw the notetakers, I said, wow, that is an all-in-one idea that I would like to to embrace, but it's uh, underperforming. I will explain later why. And... This is how we got the L Braille started and we all started talking and uh, I started working on that project. I was also doing some accessibility consulting of course, both locally and internationally, so I got sort of heavily involved in the field. And now I decided to basically start everything from scratch and do things in my own way when no one is controlling me.
2: Wow. Can I just say 25. <laughs> You're 25. What have we
1: done with our lives, show? We've done I'm getting, nothing. I'm
2: getting my coat. This is ridiculous. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's not about like, it's not about, you know, your age. Uh, many people laugh at me still today because they say, oh, you don't have uh higher education. I only got like high school uh, educated. I don't, I don't have any like university degree or anything, but it's not about that. It's about what you desire in life. What do you want to achieve? Uh, to me, this field is important. I have a philosophy that I want to push forward. It's a difficult one to push forward, especially in the English-speaking countries, but I'll do my best. Uh, And I have my vision for how the assistive tech field should look like, particularly in the high-end sector. And I have goals to accomplish and I want to accomplish these goals. And I come to these goals from a user's perspective. If I were doing this just as a business um, plan, I would better not start because the market is so big. Uh, in terms of products that are available, but the market is small in terms of numbers, I'm really here because I think I can make a small change in an area that needs refreshing
1: okay so let's let's dig into this a bit because obviously, when the elbow came along, one of the things that hit me was the windows side. you know you had windows on there as opposed to some kind of you know created world be it some kind of you know note taker bubble you know later of course android became that and you know that is the case for for many products today um but you know this was the first i'd seen with windows and you know i think about myself in this one adi as someone who's fairly new to braille even today uh you know i find the world of note takers a little bit daunting because as much as i like the idea of them i think hang on i know how windows works i know how mac works can't i just have all this inside one device inside, you know, a keyboard with, say, a Braille display. And then the Optima was born. And suddenly I'm thinking, this is it. Uh, so, you know, how do you, uh, you know, why did you decide to go down the Windows route? What was your ethos behind this? Did you did you think that we were in the wrong, we were heading the wrong way in this technology?
3: Uh, definitely, actually. I, let me tell you where I come from and what is my philosophy behind Access Mind in general. And of course, Venkatesh from Orbit that you spoke to, who is the CEO of our joint company as well. In addition to being the, Mm. you know, in addition to being involved solely in uh, Orbit, he's also the CEO of our joint venture. AccessMind is a joint venture between Orbit and myself, because we believe that together we can disrupt the the market and change it a bit. But uh, basically, how did they come to this uh, conclusion and why Windows? So... When I where I come from, which is Israel, it's different in terms of education compared to the US and UK and some other countries. Um so what happens here is first of all, Braille for blind kids is mandatory. A kid cannot choose if they study Braille or don't study Braille. They just study it. Unless of course they have a physical condition you know that prevents them from, from doing so.
1: And hang on, is that is that for every child with a vision? problem, or is that just for blind children?
3: For totally blind kids and also for uh, kids with very like low vision, who, wow. we, who we know that will benefit from Braille more. Right. So, uh, they are studying it. Um, I was studying Braille from the age of three already, because the thing in Israel is that 95% of blind people go to mainstream schools, period. Uh, we don't have a school for the blind anymore. We have a place, but... It serves only kids who have, who blindness is not their main disability, let's say. Um, so all of us are mainstreamed, and we needed to come to school. When I came to standard school, uh, to grade one, I already knew how to read and write uh, compared to my side, the friends. So uh, we learned Braille from very early ages, and now in very early school grades Israeli blind kids get for free funded by the government windows laptops braille displays or screen magnifiers depending on what they need and a screen reader and an OCR package and this is how the this is how we study so unlike other countries which focus on proprietary devices from day 1 because of you know old times and products like the braille and speak and the early days of the braille note and stuff here it doesn't exist it it never existed so for instance all of the israeli blind kids know excel in third grade right you when you when you finish school (laughs) when you finish school you know you master word you master excel you master the web your skills are very competent to even like work in a serious company okay, like in a serious corporation that demands these skills, because you are being taught these skills in school, including advanced mastering of the popular screen readers. So this is all done in order to make you productive at the sighted level. There are some disadvantages, the main one being, for example, Israeli kids don't know what BRF is, what a braille file is, what a Braille file format is, because they never dealt with them. They only emboss on Braille embosses sometimes using like software like Duxbury. But all the editing, all the formatting, everything happens in a standard environment. So when I saw a note taker that happened about 10 years ago, and one of the vendors, it was Hims first, who tried to enter the Israeli market. And then I saw this BrailleSense device. It was the BrailleSense U2 back then, their last Windows CE version. And I looked at it and I said, "Wow, this is um, this is cool." I mean, they advertised it, you know, the, as an all-in-one device that can be both your Braille display and a computer. And since the Ministry of Education consults with me in Israel since I'm of, like from very early ages, I said, "Okay, I'm going to take this to for a spin to evaluate." I took it. And I started working with it. It, They had both a Perkins version and a QWERTY version of that device. And I started working with it. And I stopped using it after about three days because it did not meet my needs. While it did the things very well in a sleek form factor, the word processor was underperforming. I cannot even create a heading there if I want to. The web browser of that device was very limited, of course. So everything was very, very, very easy to use, very Windows-like, though. HIMSS is making an interface which looks very much like Windows as opposed to the other uh, devices. But you're stuck into whatever they give you. I cannot install a program on these things. I cannot do anything. And we ended up rejecting these devices into the Israeli education market because the teachers here have to learn something proprietary and something completely new. As opposed to what they know, the TVIs, the teachers with visually impaired, and the kids. So in the English speaking countries, it's the opposite. Kids get note takers for years and then they have to step up to Windows. Here, it's 180 degrees from that. So this is why the note takers have been rejected here. And since then, I mean, today we have some people who use note takers, but um, people who chose it specifically as a backup tool. As another backup tool to to a PC, but they're very rare here. And this is why I thought the all-in-one idea is amazing. But why why in such a restrictive approach that that costs $6,000? And then I started researching all of this and uh, building my philosophy upon it. So my philosophy is, and this is something that uh, I was hoping to get with Elbrail, but Uh, Things are now in my control, so I hope to get them with AccessMind, and this is going to be a work that will take us years to change, especially in the English-speaking markets. But my philosophy is that the current assistive technology market that all of us are using uh, the products from, especially in this high-end note-taker sector, is broken. It's broken because of two reasons. First of all, the devices that are called note-takers are not really note-takers, uh this is all my opinion right I'm saying it like the things as I see them i'm not yeah. like i'm not forcing my opinion on everyone it's important for me to mention that so like my main highlights are as follows: one the five thousand uh, six hundred six thousand dollar note takers are not note takers. They are computers or tablets. We need to call them by their name. They have been note takers a few years ago. When it was like a closed window CE environment, with the, or even before then, products like the Braille and Speak, uh, right? That started all this concept, which was a very good concept for the time. Today, note takers, in my opinion, are the lower segment of Braille displays. Things like the Orbit Readers, things like the Brilliant uh, from Humanware, things like the Mantis. These products should be called note takers because they are essentially a modern version of products like the Braille Light and the, the classic Braille note because they focus on making notes. They are your pen and paper re- uh, replacement. And these products have their place uh, because sometimes, you know, you really want a device where you can take it out of your pocket or purse, uh, open it, put a quick note, close it. This is a note taker. But the... High-end devices that are called note-takers are not note-takers. They are computers because they have email. They have now access to external apps. Uh, even the you know the proprietary Braille devices that run Android, they have some kind of access to external apps, right? Because it's uh, they, they changed the OS. So this is how we should measure them. So this is number one. This is my first point of the philosophy I want people to start slowly embracing. This These are computers and tablets, and they should be judged accordingly. Number two, the proprietary interface. While products like notetakers need a proprietary interface, again, Brilliant, Orbit Reader, uh, Mantis, the computers and tablets, a sighted person doesn't have a choice if they want to use Windows or Android or iOS, right? They don't have a choice of like separate user interfaces that are specifically, I don't know, um, minimized in most cases. They're using the operating system as it is. So the proprietary user interface that uh, complements these note takers, while it provides so-called note takers, right? While it provides the, the ease of use, because we all know these interfaces for years, It also limits your functionality very heavily because you're always in a blindness only ecosystem. And when you want to go outside of it, it has issues and we'll talk about them later. So what we will be doing with AccessMind and Optima specifically, we will still provide the blindness specific functionality that these devices have, like a Braille calculator with support for things like uh, UEB math and Nemeth codes and so on and so forth, a fully featured Braille editor, a fully featured book reader with support for the blindness libraries. We will have all of it, but in the form of Windows applications so that kids and everyone else will learn Windows concepts, Windows UI controls from day one so that they can be productive later and they will not have to relearn. Our interface will be easy, intuitive, and simple, but uh, Windows uh, UI-based. So that's number two. That's the second philosophy part: the software uh, limitations. And the third is the hardware. The hardware that you have in most of these note-takers, so-called, that cost around $6,000, is very old. Mainstream people will not pay in my opinion even $200 to get some of the processing power that you get in today's um, in some of the today's android uh, note taker products and you're limited by the time that the device vendor decides to update android and the device vendor is actually limited by the board manufacturer in android you cannot just drop a new operating system you need they are using boards from other OEMs to make their android um, uh, devices based on and you need to wait to see if that vendor decides to upgrade your uh, the operating system for that board and then they have to rewrite their applications so you're always stuck to the vendor and to whatever they decide to give you so the the, the third point of this of, of our philosophy is the vendor should not control what you want to do with the device that you bought for six thousand dollars these are the main points, so why access mind? We call this access mind because we are going to build technology for blind people with accessibility in mind, but always as much as we can mainstream based only everywhere. This is our goal.
2: Wow, it almost feels like there should be a mic drop there. It almost feels like we could end the show because you I mean that philosophy is just. So correct. It's just so right. And it almost feels like we've known, everybody's sort of known that, but we're almost afraid to say it out loud because we're afraid that we might lose access to these devices. But you are so absolutely right. There's a learning curve, no matter if you're starting something new for the first time, there's always a learning curve anyway. I don't know why you would lock yourself in to a, a blind, as you said, a blind eco-bubble almost, when it's, it's later on in life, when it comes to employment, education, no matter what it is, in fact, Windows, Mac, whatever, OS, is, is the mainstream, is what majority of people will use. It just makes total sense.
3: There is one advantage of being a young person. Uh, the, the advantage is that I don't care. What I mean by I don't care is... I know that after a speech like that, and especially me fighting to change the popular philosophy, I will get a lot of negative reactions. I'll get positive ones, but I'll get a lot of negative ones. Especially the big vendors will try to kick me out and market against me and against my views and against everything I'll try to do. And I know that I'm starting a multi-year fight now. It won't be easy, but I believe in changes. And I believe that the time has arrived. Of course, these big vendors should still exist. And I'm open for cooperations with these big vendors, by the way, right? If someone wants to embrace the vision and work with us towards achieving it, and I believe that eventually they will, because they will not have a choice. This fully proprietary model will not be able to be present for forever, Uh, this is the landscape of our current technology today, in my opinion. But I believe that if we do this philosophy change slowly, step by step, and by having the users involved, the key, the, the number one thing in the Optima development is we are going to be transparent with you, with everyone from day zero. We're doing this now. This is why we announced it a year earlier, to allow you to give us all the feedback you want changed in the device, and this will continue. We're soon going to have user, user meetings and surveys because you are going to prioritize what, the, what is the priority of the software that we'll be developing, for instance, out, out of all the blindness-specific functionality we need to provide on Windows for this device to become a valuable replacement for these customized blindness tablets, I call them. You, the, the user will be our biggest decision-maker in these things because it's a philosophy change and we want to get it right. So while I agree that there is blindness-specific functionality that is needed, it can be provided in a way which is very similar to mainstream instead of putting us only in a special land where it will be hard for you to get out of later. So I know I'm getting into a very big fight, and some people bash me all over the place both from both from the vendors and both from customers in general and that's okay but i am planning to work hard on changing the changing this landscape of this high-end assistive technology and we're not going to stop in braille this product the optimize the first product that access mind makes we have plans for others in other uh, vision segments and um, it's basically a, a change of attitude that we're starting, and we are hope that if we'll do it right, the community will embrace it with us and move it forward.
1: And stay with us. We'll have more from Adi Kushner, who we spoke to just the other day. He is uh, talking to us on uh, a wide range of subjects. Of course, a really interesting conversation. That continues next here on Double Tap.
0: Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And email us feedback at DoubleTapOnAir.com. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show.
1: And today, Sean and I are in conversation with adi Kushner from Access Mind. We are. Uh I think it, I'd say it's blowing my mind if I'm on a this conversation today because it's fast, so interesting. Yeah, it is. Uh, so yeah, let's get back to the conversation. I, I suppose the question I have on this is why does it have to be one or the other? And I don't know if that's necessarily what you're suggesting, but I, I, you know, I'm kind of wondering can can all the options not live because is choice not better than a single solution? Because ultimately, that's what you're arguing for is that is, you know is that you don't want just the one option that is out there, and, and that has been the case for a long time. We've, we've tended to discuss it around the subject of price.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Let people choose. But now people don't have a choice. People just have what they have.
1: So there wouldn't be a fight in that case then, would there? Because there's nothing... The, the fight is then between companies to compete to produce the next big product.
3: There will be a fight also amongst the users, I guess, because... There will be the the type of user that just likes the the old tradition and would love to stick to it, and that's okay. And there will be a group of users that would want uh, the new attitude and that will help to embrace it. So it will depend... First of all, it will depend on how well we execute it. If we fail, then we'll lose the fight uh, completely even before starting. But if we won't fail, which we hope we... We want, then it will depend the decisions uh, of which platform to embrace. If it's not a private user's purchase choice, will depend on the people who work at an X Y Z organization that purchase that purchases these devices. Whether it's a school system or a government uh, agency or uh, a private person that purchases, you know, uh, these devices for themselves, uh, they will choose based on what they believe in. So it will all depend on what the people recommend and want. And also it's about lobby. You know, the big vendors, and this is the company fight, right? We're bringing back to the back uh, the company fight topic. The big vendors have amazing marketing. They have been here for years. They know how to sell. We are learning. We're small. We are now in a place where we'll have to work on the execution first and on marketing in parallel but this will also take uh, i guess a good amount of time for us to to be at that level because well the big vendors are big they have different budgets they have different capabilities that we still don't because we're start we're we're a startup company we're just starting and they have they have been working with this industry and the organization and the education sector and everyone else for years so it'll be a hard job but we hope we'll we hope we'll do it right.
2: I'm sure you will. Again, like we kept saying with Venkatesh, is the word disruptive? Yes, yeah. kept coming up and up and up again, and it's you're right. There's been a problem for a long time, and I think it, 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 the market is due for a change. So absolutely, for the longest time, I feel like the blind and visually impaired people have been told what we need when it comes to not only hardware, software as well. You know, if you oh you're blind, you need to use jaws, or you know, oh, yeah. and what, not not until someone came along and gave us a choice. It's not necessarily, you can use you know whatever you like.
3: That's my problem like if you there are some big vendors now that react to our device you mentioned HumanWare in the interview that happened with uh, Andrew a while ago and I really love Andrew I love working with him I have been working with HumanWare like um, like I've been localizing HumanWare's products I'm a user of HumanWare's products I have the Mantis and I have uh the Brilliant uh displays so I'm using HumanWare products on a daily basis but the thing you said about people telling us what we need, it also comes from the vendors. And that's that's obvious because, you know, they want to sell and they should sell. This is what they're here for. They need to market their product. But the vendors say sentences like, you know, your device will be good for the professional market only because in the education market, no one has time to learn. The TVIs don't have time to learn. Using a screen reader and a QWERTY keyboard is difficult. Hmm. You know, these statements are, I I have to disagree with them completely. And I know that now people will say, but we've been there for years. Well, you started the trend of the proprietary interface. So of course, learning a menu structure that just requires up and down arrows and enter, you know, is simpler uh, in many ways. But... Um, it's all about how you explain it. It's all about how you approach the kid afterwards, because you know, even if, like let's say that they take the this proprietary interface and they learn it in one or two seconds, because it's all just you know, even without the command, you can just walk through the Keysoft menus or the Hymns menus, and it's all identical and uh, easy. The kids. Are getting laptops in addition to these note takers, anyways, because they reach a point where they need more than what they achieve and than what they offer. And then they're stuck with two devices. And what I spoke to when I spoke to during C Center education people, and I and I asked them, What's the main problem? I asked TVIs, what is the main problem? They were so happy to see the Optima in action. And I was like, wait, but I thought that you prefer the note-taker interfaces because it's easier. And the response I got was, you know, this is what we are taught at the beginning, but we learn Windows and screen readers anyways because the note-takers become not enough uh, very quickly, especially in this modern age where you need to work with things like Google Docs and Office 365 and collaborate with sighted peers. This is an area where the note-takers fail. Um and the teachers end up buying laptops for the students, are recommending, and then the organizations buying, buy laptops for students with JAWS or NVDA, and they have to learn and teach both things anyways. So what's the point?
2: Absolutely. And it, look, there's, there's also making a, a, a interface that's really user-friendly. Like you said, just using the up and down arrows and enter to get to well-known well-used functions is all well and good but it's not only that as well it's along with that bubble that blind eco bubble there's limitations within that user interface as well when it comes to integrating with windows if it's running on windows as a shell there's there's problems with you know what you do with the files you create inside the the as i say Keysoft or whatever it may be there's there's limitations there too.
3: L- look what happened now. I'm a Braille Note Touch user. Okay, I've been using the Braille Note Touch for a while. I'm just giving you an example. Uh, the other competitors also suffer from this. But I'm going to give you just really one example. Microsoft changed things with Exchange with Office 365 when it comes to email access. My Braille Note Touch with its Keymail client cannot access Exchange anymore. So I and I'm an Office 365 user. So I cannot use my organization, my AccessMind email, or my private email uh, via Exchange via the Exchange protocol with the native uh, Keysoft email client. I have to switch to Outlook, and then Outlook on Android is very not keyboard friendly. So you work with it like you work with a touchscreen by emulating the gestures with the Braille display. So it becomes all the purpose of the very user-friendly keysoft yes. email client goes away. <laughs> yeah. And while Humanware addressed this for Gmail, uh, they switched to OAuth, to the new Google authentication, uh, to, to the new authentication protocol that Google embraced. For Microsoft accounts, they did not uh, address it because it's a huge effort. And, you know, they have a limited amount of resources and they need to decide where to put them. And I don't blame them on that. But then we lose I mean my Braille Note Touch Plus now cannot access my email and I don't accept like the answer of go to the play store download outlook no if you developed the Keysoft interface and you target it as the primary interface to use I expect you to fix all the bugs that are related to it because I paid $6000 now I agree that sometimes the bugs are beyond their level of fixing, or again, they require a huge effort. But then, don't make a blind person use a blindness-specific software for some specific tasks. For example, with the Optima, we'll be making what we call Braille UI. Braille UI is our shell. And yes, we will be making some kind of a shell to allow users who are who want to switch from a note-taker to our opened platform To have an option of having like, you know, a simplified uh, home menu with, you know, the navigation style that they know and love from others, this will be, you'll be able to disable it. So if you're a professional laptop user and you want just the plain Windows desktop and just use the screen readers with uh, our Braille apps, in addition to standard Windows apps, you'll be able to disable that. But for users who... Will be switching. We want to offer an easy switch way, an easy switching way. So we will be having a like a simplified menu when you put the device that you know has a list like file manager, wood processor, all this stuff that will open our apps sometimes and sometimes uh, standard apps, and you'll be able to switch to the standard Windows desktop from there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so you will have that kind of notetaker like interface, but in a w- using Windows controls, but. There are some things that we are not going to do, at least not if we see that it's really worth it and that we can sustain it. For example, we are going to write a Braille editor. We are going to write a Braille calculator. We are going to write a book reader and a media player with podcast support and everything that blindness note takers require. We're going to write a very powerful notes application. But we're not going to write, at least not now, because we did not find a... Very good way to do so, a blindness email client. We don't see this as appropriate because these technologies change all the time. And I don't want my I don't want my customer to be stuck on not being able to use the email client with their service like I have now with my BrailleNote. Um so we'll just default to the mainstream options that are available in that case, which is Outlook or Windows Mail or yeah. others. So we will be working on the blindness functionality that we can maintain and that we believe is needed, but whenever the mainstream does the job better than us, we won't do it.
2: yeah, absolutely. I totally agree and uh, the, the important thing there is the the choice you're not locked in like it, it, like as you said, if, if the email client stops working, then you can you have the option of switching out or in your case, you're not even going to do your own email client anyway, but in the At other least world, not now. Not now, yes. In the other world, you're locked in and you simply cannot use it. Well, in certain situations, in the case of the exchange problem. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing I want to touch on is the, the hardware as well, because the thing that I kept coming up on when it comes to specialist devices, as I call them, is, is the, the price point. And for something like the l Braille, now I, I, I know the l Braille um, was kind of started with you, but I'm going to say this anyway. The l Braille, for the price of it, the, the hardware that you got for that, that money really stuck in my throat because again, it comes down to people telling us almost what we need. Um, for that sort of money, I think people are, are getting more wise to what we can expect for, for our money now. And the generation of hardware that was, that was in there was really, uh, I mean, what three, four, five years behind the and mainstream.
3: Still is. And still is. Yeah,
1: and, and still is, exactly. But so then we're hardware. paying a premium for older hardware. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So let me tackle this. You know, now many, now maybe listeners will say, hey, but he was the one who was pushing for it. Well, the L was a project that the Lita Group was in the very early days of establishing when I uh, joined. And then I joined. And I had, like, for the first version in 2016, 2017, the L 14, we did not have better hardware choices. Um, so we did what we could, but then uh embedded platforms from Intel came out that allowed us to develop um higher end upgradable specs but until they until Elita was able to successfully sort of embrace them and produce a device to market was not before early twenty twenty so unfortunately, we went out. And I'm not blaming anyone. I was involved uh, also in, in in that process uh, back then. We went out with a platform with a seventh generation processor that was already discontinued by Intel once we released the device with it to the market, which I did not feel okay with at all. But also, unfortunately, during release... Because of various factors, the U.S. Uh, FCC certification for the l Braille failed on a very bad point. It failed where the HDMI connection was not allowed to be used in the U.S. due to some electronic emissions. And we had to disable HDMI. At that point, I was really feeling bad. Imagine we sold a computer for education system that did not have built-in HDMI support. You You had to connect a uh, wireless adapter to Miracast to a, to a monitor. So that was also a problem. And yes, the price uh, for the hardware you got was essentially the same as you got with other note-takers today, right? It's the same thing that we're talking about, the, the, the out-of-date approach. While it was more capable than the others in terms of it was Windows, right? And you could do more things with it it the outbraille did not deliver several factors which I was hoping to work on and deliver and This is what I promised to people, and this is what led me to leave eventually. Number one, we did not deliver the upgradability promised number two the blindness specific software we have promised, and I was personally working on things like a Braille editor. And the software got, you know, almost ready and out for production. And it's still not released as of this day. And I'm very sad because there are a lot of great people who are working on this in terms of developers and uh, and testers, and it's still not out. So we promised that. We did not deliver that. And... The biggest complaint about the L Braille, unfortunately, was the reliability of the devices, especially after the the recent uh, generations. The amount of uh, failures in terms of hardware was a lot higher than what I was was able to accept. And at the middle of 2022, late June, early July, I found myself into a point where I was feeling very uncomfortable because I was not able to provide the level of professionalism and the level of quality that I expect and that my customers expect. So then I realized, okay, I will have to take a risky move now because I want to produce this product differently and I want to produce it under my vision. So I realized that the only way to do it with my vision is to leave and start from scratch. And this is what I've done. So the so the L Braille was, on one hand, very influencing because, you know, hey, the Windows concept finally got talked about. So the L Braille, what, what it did well is that it got people thinking about using Windows instead of a note taker. And this is... I'm happy that we accomplished that, at least. And now um, the main purpose of the Optima is to allow you to choose the hardware. We partnered with a mainstream partner, with Framework, to always have the latest hardware offerings available and to allow you to choose how much you want to pay for.
1: Yeah. And this is, this is the really interesting bit. This is where it gets really interesting because it's different. This is totally unique. We're getting the chance to control what we buy, and even how we configure this device down the line. So maybe tell us a little bit about that work you've done with Framework.
3: Yeah, so it's very simple. First of all, it's a laptop, right? You need to be able to configure a laptop. When you buy them, it it all depends on how you look at it. If you look at it again as a dedicated blindness product, you don't want to get into trouble of configurations and SKUs and uh, processors. And, you know, if you compare it to a standard Braille so-called note taker uh, that is sold right now. And the other vendors are a bit afraid of that. Uh, they're also talking about the fact that, well, the customization here will not work, etc., etc. But we are not producing a note taker. We are producing a laptop that has a Braille display inside. It will not be just a laptop with a screen reader. So, I mean, it will have our own software, again, to, to complement that missing note taker functionality, but it's a laptop. So the way to look at it is not like another assistive technology product. is an assistive technology product that has all the mainstream principles through and through. So when you order your Dell or HP laptop, or the framework in that case, you pick your processor from the options they have available. You pick the amount of RAM. You pick the amount of storage. So the same thing goes here. You will be able to choose between... The available processor options framework now has both Intel and AMD chips. And like any other laptop, you will be able to choose your processor between i5 or i7, and you'll be able to choose the amount of RAM you want, and you'll be able to choose the amount of storage you want. The interesting thing with framework is that it's all modular. Nothing is soldered to the motherboard. Only the processor is. But then if you want to upgrade to a newer processor, you literally swap a board When we started developing, we were using the 11th gen Intel chips. Now we have the 13. All we have to do to get this working is to just replace the board without us redeveloping anything in the device, which is very important because finally the upgradability promise comes to life and is being delivered. Um, What it means is, we will be able to bring new versions of the device basically every year with up to date hardware, without changing anything on our side. Most of the times, there might be times where we'll have to make some, you know, changes here and there. I guess after a few years, but these will be also modular and uh, upgradable. Like the user will be able to replace our enclosure if need be, um, and also with framework. What is unique is that you can choose your ports. So, which this hasn't been done before, in the laptop industry. So you have a total of four ports possible on the motherboard and the choices we offer are Thunderbolt 4 which is USB Type-C connection based but it's like the latest Intel standard USB-A HDMI SD card and Ethernet and you will be able to pick whatever combinations of these four ports you like to pick. So that's, the, that's what's phenomenal about Framework. And uh, we're thankful to them that they decided to allow us to do this and um, help in whatever way they can. So we are really on the mission to truly deliver the upgradability uh, uh, promise. And with the hardware, with the laptop hardware, we even allow you to choose your Braille module, right? Mm. So you have an option of the Orbit, True Braille cells, which are more affordable, they are stronger. I like you cannot squeeze them down, but they also have you know they have a different mechanism of refreshing. So they refresh a bit slower and they make a bit of noise when they refresh. But there are many customers who prefer those. But we also have the traditional piezo Braille cells, which are exactly the same cells that you know from all the hymns and human wear and uh, other products. Uh, We'll be using the leading company in that space so the sales will be very known to all of you once you'll see it. So even that choice is available.
1: And what about the braille display itself? Could that become modular?
3: We are now looking at the best approach to to do this. From the inside it is because it, it will be because we don't want a situation where, for instance, if you need to send your Braille display to repair, for some reason, we don't want you to be stuck not using your computer, right? Because it's your main laptop, you depend on it. So we'll try to do the best to at least allow to disconnect it from the inside and you to continue using the the machine. Uh, We're now considering the best way to do this. And we're also considering the um, way of making it user hot swappable. Uh, If we see that the physical... Dimensions and that the rock-solid um, impression of the device will not be damaged as a result of it. We'll do the best to make it hot-swappable. What we showed at CSUN was not hot, hot-swappable. It was all in one uh, case. But uh, we are doing the best uh, to achieve the best approach when it comes to that.
1: Adi, it has been really interesting talking to you today. I, I could talk to you so much more. Uh, Please do come back because there's a lot more to discuss. And, you know, I think especially because we're at such an early stage of this, uh, you're getting the chance to really make sure this product is going to work for a lot of people. You know, prior to this, you know, Sean and I read the press release. We talked about it on the show and we said, oh, great. You know, this is all brilliant. Oh, but it's a year to go before we get this thing. Actually, talking to you, talking to Venkatesh, I think we're getting the sense of this actually is a really good thing because it gives us a chance to have a discussion as a community about Mm -hmm. what this actually should be, rather than feeling like this is something that is being delivered from on high.
3: Thanks for mentioning that. I'm really happy that you share this approach. And you know, before we announced it, I was afraid, like, should we do it? Should we not do it? We decided to take the risk and do it a year before. We usually don't like to announce things a year before, but the main reason why we've done it is to allow everyone to give us feedback. For instance, we already received a lot of feedback about the fact that people want thumb keys. So we are working on making sure we address that issue in the best possible way. So um, we are already working on changes that the community asked and also um, about the software. Because of the philosophy change that we are proposing here, which we know will take a while to change, we want to make sure that the users are fully involved in this new philosophy. That users understand what it is, and we hope that the users will help us to embrace it and eventually push for it if they see that it's the right way to go. So soon there will be a AccessMind email list where you will be able to subscribe to and uh, participate in like uh, Zoom meetings, which we'll start to make about the product. And we are not. Marketing or selling you anything yet? That's important for us to emphasize. We want to do these meetings and to have you on board to tell us what you want to develop, to be developed first, what do you want, what do you want to be developed last, and how. So this is your chance to let your voice be heard.
1: Brilliant, Addy. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate your time with Double Tap. Thank you. I appreciate yours. And that's it for today. Thank you to Addy Kushner for joining us earlier this week. And uh, I'm so glad we were able to have that conversation with Adi, Sean, uh, because, you know, we talked about the Optima real laptop, but of course, you know, so many other interesting parts to that discussion, right? Oh, the history, his history. Absolutely, I'm so inadequate. Uh, I just feel terrible <laughs> now, but
2: absolutely amazing. But yeah, the philosophy, I, I totally agree with every point that he made there. And I think a lot of us in the community do. I, I, just really interesting times.
1: Yeah, he is a real disruptor. And I think that is just brilliant. It's great to hear that. You know, this is this is something that's new and it's innovative. And I love the thinking. I love getting away from the this will just do state. Yes, it feels right. like we've been the in. passion, so. right? It's yeah. that passion. That drive is amazing. Well, I can't wait to hear what you think about that interview and uh, indeed that discussion. As always, you can email us feedback at doubletaponair.com or you can call us on one eight seven seven eight zero three four five six seven. We are back tomorrow with more. Sean, thank you.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-TV every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too.
1: Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada watch The Pulse on YouTube, or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.